0: Black Men Cry too is an invitation for men of color to feel safe to share their truth and unpack their hurt. My name is Katherine, AKA Retro Barbie, hashtag Bright Hair Dark Liquor, and I created this space as an invitation for black men to feel empowered to know it's okay that they can cry too. sitting down with me. Thank
1: you for having me, Kat. I Let's think it's probably the earliest I've ever had a shot, so thank you.
0: Well, you should see my college in <laughs> my senior year. <laughs> so to kick it off, yeah. what I would love to learn from you is what would you say the definition of fatherhood is by today's society?
1: Yeah, you know, that's a great question because there's really no one definition. Uh, I, I can tell you a little bit about how I see fatherhood evolving and how it's being depicted in society now. So traditionally, you know, I do a lot of work in the advertising space. So when you look at the ways fathers have been depicted in advertising, you know, whether it's in diaper commercials or, you know, any, anything revolving fatherhood, they usually depict, or they were depicted as kind of fumbling and bumbling, not knowing what they were doing uh, and then needing the, the, to, to reach out to the mom for help to save hey. them and save the kid. They're That's definitely good. being shown as kind of caregivers and caretakers. Um, there's a commercial that shows a father braiding hair, and commercials with you know dads washing soccer uniforms. So I, I, I like to see that change. It really tells a story about what uh, what fatherhood is evolving to, and it really just is more accurate uh, a, a more accurate representation of the fathers that I'm around. Right? Like I'm a dad 18 years 18 years in. I have uh, friends of mine that are just having babies now, and they're like the sweetest, most kind, most caregiving guys. So I like to see that, and I think that's what you know, society is, is moving towards, it's a healthier version uh, or depiction of what fatherhood looks like.
0: So let's talk about you being a dad. Yeah. And you're a hashtag girl dad.
1: Hashtag girl dad. For sure.
0: <laughs> so let's talk about what that looks like and what that means to you. Like how do you define yourself as a father, especially a girl father?
1: Yeah. I mean, so fatherhood is the one experience in my life and I've been through a lot that has really shook me and brought me back to myself in ways that nothing else has because it's the one experience that has really taught me unconditional love, forgiveness, swallowing my ego, like all the things that you want as, to evolve as a human being, I've learned through fatherhood. So my daughter now is 18 years old, she's a freshman in college, uh, she's my best friend, she's my homie, and our relationship has evolved in so many ways, so we've been co-parenting, her mother and I have been co-parenting her since she was three years old. And that relationship hasn't always been easy. You know, that, that kind of, that triangle, if you will. And so we've gone through some really difficult moments. But what I think has worked for us is that I've always been really open and honest with my, with my child. I, she knows everything about me. She knows when dad is scared, when he's excited, when he's happy, when he's hurt, uh, when he's sad. So I think that's really helpful because it allows a genuine relationship to flourish. Um, and it, and it gives her an impression of my humanness. You know what I'm saying? Like, As she grows up, and I know you have a really strong relationship with your dad, it gives her a sense for, you know, my dad is, is a human being just like me, and it, it creates a different re- dynamic in that relationship. So if I'm able to kind of take my own experiences as a, as a man and having been in certain spaces in my life and be able to give that to her and say, look, I'm just trying to give you as much information so that you can make as informed decisions as you can. I'm not here to tell you what to do; that's not my role. Um, I'm not your friend; I'm your father, but we have a friendship. If that I makes like sense. I like that. So you know, because I, I think it's important for her to understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, that's just it. It's just I want to be someone who she can look to um, as as a guiding light, right? So someone who she can talk to, um, run ideas by count on and be reliable and, and reliable with. So, you know, the, those are the lessons that I try to instill in her is look, I just want you to understand that life is not is easy. It's not easy. And I just want to give you as much information as I can to help you make good decisions.
0: What lessons or experiences do you share with her as she's growing up being a woman of color? Yeah. Especially in today's society.
1: hundred percent. So that's a great question because she is, She's probably around your skin tone, maybe a little darker. And she is very proud to call herself a black woman. Um, and we're Dominican. So, you know, there's a, a whole other conversation <laughs> yeah. uh, to have there as far as blackness and colorism goes. But, yeah, so so that's, that's where it starts, is I, I try to instill a sense of pride in her and her identity. Um, and beyond her being a, a woman, I want her to understand that Just her being who she is and the fact that she's alive and she is makes her worthy. Um, And I know that we live in a world where the black woman is the most disrespected human entity. Malcolm X. Right, right. So I want her to understand that, but not use that as a crutch, not use that as a a reason for her not to try her best and to put her best foot forward. So, you know, the beauty of it is that she has a really strong support system and network of friends, of family. that, that really kind of uplift her. But my job as a father, right? So thinking about that that dynamic, I'm the first person she probably ever fell in love with. And so for me- First I have man a, too. First, first man, right? Mm-hmm. So I have a responsibility to to teach her some of those lessons very early on so that as she evolves and grows and has other relationships, that, that self-esteem and that sense of self-worth is already ingrained in her. So I don't want her to ever be like, you know, in a relationship, um, I want her to be like, yeah, well, my dad taught me that. I know what this is. You know what I mean? And this is, I'm not going to put up with this because my dad didn't treat me this way. So all of those things I think are important um, in terms of my raising her.
0: I like that you mentioned that. Um, with that as well, especially since she's 18, there's a new term that's out there called toxic masculinity. Yeah. What are your views on toxic masculinity?
1: Yeah. I'm very sensitive with that term because I don't necessarily agree with how it's being used. I understand where it comes from. I understand what it's trying to describe. But I don't agree the way, in the way that it's been used because it's become somewhat of a lazy term and a catch all phrase for all things men behaving badly or, or, or things that men have kind of, behaviors that men have exhibited. And the reason I say that is because I think we're getting away from the root cause or the root issues here. And that is to talk about the behavior patterns and where those behavior patterns are learned that lead men to be misogynistic and to be patriarchal and to be sexist and all these things. So when we talk about toxic masculinity, I would want us to really spend time uncovering that as opposed to just using it as a broad stroke label for people because it really doesn't help it. So I'm about restorative justice. So if you can't tell me how I can become better then don't tell me that, I, that I'm bad, right? Like don't give me c- constructive criticism or criticism if it's not constructive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's just it. It's, I, I think we, we're at a time now where, you know, a few years, and I don't think we're in a post me too world. I think me too is the world that we live in. Uh, I think it's important for us to start evolving the conversation towards, okay, so what do we need to do to change the behaviors? And I think that's what the, to- the word toxic masculinity doesn't do because it just stops there there's no deeper interrogation to it
0: so when you say changing behaviors and you had mentioned a lot of your friends are new dads Mm -hmm. how do you sort of help or hold your friends accountable to change those behaviors
1: yeah well we have a lot of conversations and we have group chats i'm i'm Part of four or five different group chats. Is one just for dads? Is one just for the guys? I like that. Um, but here's the misconception: it's it's that men only have sports related or women related mm-hmm. uh, group chats, and that's not true. Um, in my group chats, if if people were to hack my phone, they'd see that we're having really deep conversations about like, yo, I'm scared, and like, I don't know what to do and how to handle this particular situation. So,
0: very vulnerable.
1: Yeah, very vulnerable. Uh, so yeah, so I think it's important. Um, I'm sorry, I forgot your your question.
0: How do you hold your friends accountable?
1: Okay, So I hold my friends accountable by really making sure that I engage them in conversation and questioning things. So I have the privilege of being the one person in my group of friends that has has been a father for the longest. Um, So from that standpoint, they come to me for different advice and questions. Uh, But I'm also very unapologetic about challenging them too. Right, so one of the things that I'm, I, I'm very vocal about when it comes to holding people accountable is that men who are about doing this healthy masculinity work, it really is about what are you looking to sacrifice? Like, what are you willing to say to yourself that, you know, I'm gonna sacrifice potentially this relationship because I need to say something to this dude because he's doing some crazy shit, right? Like, or he's he's acting in a way that's not healthy. So that's where I think accountability comes in is for men that are watching, if you're wanting to really do this work in a real way, and you have boys who are acting crazy and doing crazy shit, like, what are you doing to, to call that out? And then you have to be courageous enough to be like, yo, he may not react in the ways that would be conducive to this relationship continuing, so am I okay with letting this go? And if the answer is yes, then you got to do that work. And, and that's real accountability in my mind. It's, there's got to be a risk associated with that.
0: What would you say then is the definition by society of manhood?
1: Yeah, I think manhood, all the traits that we're associated with are, you know, just kind of being uh, stoic and being strong and aggressive and kind of all these traits that are typically associated with manhood. And, you know, a lot of my work intersects looking at what healthy masculinity is with mental health and depression. And, um, the very definition of manhood that society gives us is the reason why we struggle with depression because mm-hmm. it's about not expressing your emotions. It's about not being vulnerable. It's about not tapping into that inner self. And so that is those are symptoms of depression, right? Like when you're kind of being mm-hmm. in that cave. Mm-hmm. So so I do a lot of that work and, and I think it's it's starting to change. I think people are now understanding that At the end of the day, this men's work movement that we're in right now is not about becoming better husbands, better boyfriends, better fathers. Yes, it's about that as a secondary and tertiary goal, but the primary goal is about becoming better human beings. So for me, that's where I start is let me help men examine themselves in ways that are that they maybe never have right which includes a lot of self-reflective work and then help them understand where they how they show up in their personal and professional lives and then from there figure out who they want to be and then give model some of that behavior fully understanding that I'm on a journey with them as well right but you know really trying to help model behavior that is healthier than what we've been taught
0: let's dive into your work yeah so I am a fan of your work thank you let's talk about what got you inspired to do Dear Men, The Lives of Men?
1: Yeah. So there are two answers to that question. Number one is in 20, so backtracking, I have always been a man on a journey, right? I've always considered myself someone who has always wanted to examine and interrogate ways of becoming just the best version of myself. Um, I thank my mom for that. I thank my upbringing for that. And so um, I was getting to a point in around 2016 where I was questioning who I was becoming and what my legacy was going to be in the world. Um, Not from an ego like, oh, I want people to remember me by Mm -hmm. this, but really just wanted to figure out how I was going to leave the world better than I found it. So um, I wanted to create a platform that was the medicine that I needed as a product of a single-parent home, oldest of five kids, raising the Bronx. I wanted to create something that was helpful to young men like myself. So that was the first inspiration. The second inspiration was 2016 was happening with the police shootings, um, the beginning of this you know the political landscape that we live in now with Trump. Black you know, matter. Um, all of that was happening and so and then Me Too goes viral. So all of a sudden now I'm in the middle of a public conversation around this new conversation around masculinity. So that was really the beginning. It wasn't intended to be what it is now. It was I just want to create something that i could put out as a side project but when i launched the brand i left my job three weeks later and it was the yeah. best decision I, I made congratulations thank you thank you and now it's just like it's taking a life of its own and you know i think it's just because it's where that's the world that we live in now it's just like this conversation is so important and so top of mind to people so you know that that's really the inspiration behind it
0: i love that yeah. And it's not an easy message to digest because you are challenging men and you're challenging women as well when we're thinking about what manhood is and manhood today. Were you surprised by the positive response to your messaging?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm still surprised and I'm still very and I'm going to be vulnerable here for a minute. I think because this work is so personal to me. um, And remember, everything that I do, every piece of content, every interview, everything is a piece of me that I'm, that I've healed through or I'm healing through currently, that I'm just packaging it so that other people can draw inspiration from it. So when it's received in the way that it has been, it's like so affirming. It's just like, oh, wow, like people really do find this valuable. Um, but when it's not, on the other side of that, it's just like if I post something that I think is really powerful and, and it doesn't get as many likes as I think it should, it's like, fuck, do I, feel, you know, it's an indictment on me, mm-hmm. right? It feels that way. I know that's not true, but it feels like, am I even worthy? So it's fighting both of those battles, right? Like, yes, I'm happy that people are paying attention, but on the other side, I feel like we have a longer way to go to really think about these issues. And I, I'm glad that you brought up the fact that it's not just women that I'm challenging, men that I'm challenging, I'm challenging women because oftentimes we, we, um, we're talking about, like, a lot, I have a lot of single female friends and they're like, oh, I want a man that's in tune with their emotions, happy and like, right? Like, and all of that. <laughs> And then when they get it, they don't know what to do with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and I think that's a big thing. That's that's an, an example of how we're both, both men and women, mm-hmm. are equally affected by some of these things.
0: You had mentioned something uh, you said it's a part of you healing. Yeah. If we can just dive into that really quickly, sure. what is your healing process or what was your healing process? Mm-hmm. If you went through your healing process or are still currently going through it,
1: it's ongoing. Um, it's ongoing. I think a lot of The inspiration behind what I do is uh, obviously hurt and pain and trauma and when you think about that's not unlike a lot of our most famous or favorite art forms right when you look at some of your favorite albums or your art pieces or whatever they all come from really dark places so for us it's about creating from that space and transforming that pain and trauma into something that is beautiful and valuable to the world so um yeah. I'm, I'm always going to be on a healing journey. Uh, it's just about how it evolves. And the, the key thing is to make sure that I'm aware of where I'm at on that journey and then taking stock of that and then pivoting where I need to. So yeah, I'm always going to be on that journey. I like that. Yeah.
0: And with this journey, where do you want your work to go next? Where do you see it evolving to?
1: Great question. Um, so more, more practically, my work is now, I'm doing a lot more work with tech, media, and advertising brands, because when I look at the ways that society sends us messages it's four major groups it's family it's religion it's our friends Mm -hmm. and then it's media right media and i'm taking media collectively as tech media and advertising so if tech and media and advertising have been responsible for telling you what to wear and how to behave and what's right and what's wrong what's good or what's bad then i'm interested in, in helping these industries evolve and take responsibility for teaching us what healthy masculinity is. So I want to, I'm doing more work with advertising brands to help them think about if they're targeting men of color, what does that look like? You know, what, how, how do you craft that message? Right? So that it hits, Um, I'm working with tech brands around diversity and inclusion. So helping that, that industry is so in need of diverse talent. Like how do you tap into communities like ours? So I'm helping them think about that. So that's how my work is evolving. It's just really formalizing it in those industries. But I'm still doing a lot of the grassroots work with young men, um, you know, one-on-one coaching. I do a lot of uh, uh, career coaching as well. So, you know, that's it it, it really is an interesting space because who knows where it's going to go? Right. Like this is such a new conversation that I'm open to all the possibilities.
0: I love that. Well, I'm going to be here watching the entire time Thank you. Um, to wrap up. We are going to ask two fun questions. Yeah. So the first one, name three songs that you Ooh. listen to to get you out of a mood or in a mood, whether you're excited, you're sad. What are the first three that come to mind?
1: Wow, that's hard. <laughs> I listen to a lot of Afrobeat. I listen to a lot of, like, uh, Afro jazz. Um, I'm just trying to think about something that people would know.
0: Even if they don't know it, um, we'll find it. Our playlist is on Spotify. Uh,
1: word. Damn. That's a great question. I wish I would have had time. Um... Love Is by Common. It's a beautiful song. Yeah, Love Is by Common. Um, I guess I'm going to cheat and say The Light by Common also. Um, Sky by uh, Raphael Sadiq. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, there's so many, but those I would say some of those.
0: Well, you have to give us one Afrobeat song at least. One
1: Afrobeat song. Um,
0: or one that you're listening to right now. I don't
1: know how to pronounce the name, but it's by WizKid. It's called... Uh, it's like, it's, I think I
0: never Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's mm-hmm. just like
1: you know, thanking God for life, like that. That song is up. Well, that song. Yeah, yeah, that
0: song. Yeah, yeah. And what message? I completely
1: murdered that name.
0: <laughs> it's okay. It's okay.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, what message would you leave the youth with?
1: Believe in yourself. Like three things, you know. And I, t- we were talking about tattoos earlier, mm-hmm. right? I tattooed it on my arm or my my hand. Is trust yourself, believe in yourself. Um, and I, it sounds cliche, but and you're gonna hear that from the moment you're in school, three years old, four years old, but it's the most powerful way to move about the world is that if you can show up in spaces and really trust in yourself and believe in who you are and what you bring to the table, that like no one can stop you. Number two is surround yourself with people that believe in you, right? So if you believe in yourself, then you need a tribe around you that believes in you. And then the third thing is, um, don't ever subscribe to anyone else's notion of what your narrative and your your life should be, right? I think everybody has opinions of how we should be living our lives and, you know, oftentimes I'm a product of a, of an immigrant family. So there was no other profession other than a doctor, a lawyer mm-hmm. or a financial services professional, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, we, we don't even think about that sometimes. so. And that's just their goals for us. So you got to really spend time thinking about what your goals are. Are they really yours? And be unapologetic about living your life in the ways that you want to live it.
0: Powerful messages. Yeah. Thank you so much again for sitting down with us. Appreciate it. As always, you can find us on Instagram as well as YouTube, and you can use the hashtag BlackMenCryToo. T O O. Thank you for watching. The Lawnmower 3.0 comes inside their brand new Perfect Package 3.0, which makes for the perfect gift this holiday season. It's literally everything you need to keep trimmed, cut free, and smelling nice down there. Head over to Manscaped.com and use code BlackmanCry2TOO to get 20% off plus free shipping. Give your Perfect Package the Perfect Package this holiday season.